0: I am joined by Kashan, who is the creative director at Envision. We are talking about what makes good design great. Now, for design, I think it's really subjective. A lot of people judge it as if it's art. you like it, you don't like it somewhere in the middle. But I think there's a lot of objective things that can make design great. Um, Kashan, I would love to hear from you to start with. What kind of design do you typically work on here?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. So, yeah. been a long time coming, and I've, I've avoided this for the longest <laughs> time, but looks like I can anymore. But yeah, it feels great to be here. Um, at Envision, we pretty much do all kinds of design. We have done primarily, we do web designs, where we take our client's existing branding, and then we work with our copywriting teams and we work mm-hmm. with our UX design team to come up with information architectures, and then just basically create a design direction out of all those components. And once the website designs are done, we uh, send them to our dev team who then basically create uh, the final version and code it out. We also do a lot of um, logo design stuff. We have also done some uh, branding projects. You Mm -hmm. were a huge part of that as well. Uh, We also do print stuff here. Uh, We are a digital agency, but just letting everybody know that Print is a lot of fun as well. A lot of people on my team don't agree. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince them that, hey, you know, print is uh, still, a, yeah. still a thing and important. So we actually have done like a lot of large format print stuff where we have done trade show booth graphics. Mm-hmm. And we have also done things that are as small as a client's booklet or brochures even. So yeah, we're pretty much equip- equipped to do whatever we want.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think like w- the way that we really approach design is like it it touches every part of a brand for clients like that um, from a marketing side, we always say every single touch point should feel consistent to your end user um, to really express your brand, right? So I, I think that means like you got a lot of experience in terms of like what makes Design really resonate with that end client, whether it's online or in like a, a physical touch format. Um, to start with, what do you think is one of the elements, any any one that makes a good design great?
1: That's a that's a great question, and I think a perfect way to start on that topic would be to actually identify like what a good design actually is. Yeah. Um, if we put all the theoretical aspects and Dieter Rams' ten principles of good design aside. Um, and if you just ask me as a user, not even somebody who belongs to this industry, a good design to me actually is the one that really empathizes with me as a user. It serves the purpose that it has been created to perform or achieve. If I as a user am trying to do a certain um, task, uh, a good design should make it almost perfect experience and frictionless for me to achieve it. Mm-hmm. That is when you know the design has served its Purpose and that is a good design. Not only that, it should be aesthetically pleasing. It should be good to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are many instances where you 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 come across a design and then um, you know it just does not cut it. There's not a good balance, and then the users switch and they bounce. They they close the browser window. You know how easy mm-hmm. it is for uh, you know use users these days to just hop on and bounce off.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I actually have a very good example like, to go with this. Like I was recently at my car dealership for an oil change. Okay. So I went into the lounge area and I really felt like having coffee. And I saw like this really big shiny machine in the corner. And I was actually a little apprehensive to walk up to it because I had never seen that machine ever before in my life. But I needed coffee. So I walk up to it. And when I reached it, it was so straightforward. I knew exactly the right buttons to push. I know exactly where the pods went. In less than a minute, I was able to walk away with a fresh cup of coffee without having any prior knowledge of that machine ever. Mm -hmm. So that to me right there screams good design. It was intuitive. It was um, like a seamless experience for me. It helped me do exactly what I set out to do. Right. On the contrary, like the other day, um, I rented a car and... I'm not gonna name any brands. Like I don't want anybody. <laughs> I don't want. Any, I don't want the big corporations coming after me or anything. But it's considered like a good luxury car, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a certain expectation that comes with brand. And as a user, I got the car and I was sitting in it. I turned it on, and and silly, I kid you not, for the five minutes, I could not figure out why I can't get the car moving. And then I looked at the dashboard and the brake light was on and I could not find the brake release button anywhere oh, that man. I'm used to as a user. <laughs> I literally had to take the, out the manual from, from, the dash, uh, from the glove compartment and then I figured it out. But if we go by what, uh, you know, father of user experience Don Norman says, if a design is not straightforward and if you as a user are not able to figure it out, it's not your fault. It is actually the design that has failed you.
0: Right.
1: Um, we don't realize it in a lot of instances, mm-hmm. especially, you know, a lot of companies who come up with solutions for clients. And if the clients come back with more pain points and dissatisfaction with the end product, pretty much the companies go, well, this is what you approved and we can't do anything about it because you ha- we have your approval on it. Zero empathy. There is no care that is put in place with the actual use cases. And in that case, I'll have to side with the clients. It's mm-hmm. not the client's fault. It's right. the designer who has put it together and who has fallen short in fulfilling the purpose of that huh. design.
0: You really have my wheels turning here because I'm, I'm like thinking about the fact that first like everything has a design, right? Like everything that surrounds us, everything's got a design and a purpose and like an ease of use, like all the knobs that you have to use, like the chairs that we're sitting in and for the most part like a lot of consumer goods come with a manual. When you say a coffee machine, for the first time maybe you got to run water through it, you've got a button to push and whatever. But um when when it comes to web design, there's there's never like a user manual. Like I don't I don't think like we're we're not really at the stage in which like most of us enter websites where it's like here's how you do things. Here's what you're meant to press. There's a lot of um defaults or like assumptions that are built in our minds right and um i mean adjacently like in in marketing we work a lot with design but you know we already as like as as marketers have the words for these things where i think sometimes our end users aren't necessarily At that level where they know something is called a hamburger menu (laughs) or like a header or a footer or a favicon. Like I think these are these could be foreign words to a lot of people. They just kind of know visually what they're what's
1: a grid system.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like what is a grid system, (laughs) right? Like why, like, why, why are all these, these things in place? And like, what are the assumptions that you're kind of inheriting and you have to work with no matter what it is that you're designing? And for for us being majority web designers, like that's the majority of our, our export to our clients, we have to work with a certain set of assumptions around user interfaces, right? Um, what are some of the challenges that you've found with having to work with, you know, like grid systems, everything on the web currently, and and how you have to structure your work around all of that?
1: Absolutely. I still remember the time when we we never, we, we didn't have access to these amazing prototype tools that we now incorporate and then back in the day, you're right it used to be so difficult to to meet the expectation of the clients in terms of you know what they expect and experience for getting a new website design. Mm-hmm. It was very very hard for us even back then to kind of explain, that this wireframe that you're looking at, this black and white wireframe structure is not <laughs> your final design. It is no in, in no shape and form, the final look and feel of what the brand is, is actually going to be. Um, but yeah, like to answer your question, yes, there are challenges mm-hmm. um, because clients, when they do come to us, they have a lot of knowledge about what has worked and what hasn't worked for their web space. But at the same time, there are things that they are very passionately married to like yeah we designed my my uncle designed this logo 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and we don't want to change it but yeah I agree but you got to realize that if you are going for a web solution that is going to be catering to your audience that is familiar with you know some basic principles of aesthetic they're not gonna you know see the relation between your brand artifacts, your logo with the new design direction that we've taken. So it it is a bit of a challenge to convince the clients to detach right. themselves from just the form of something yeah. and convince them on the function that, uh, because to me and to any sane person who is in this industry, form and function go hand in hand. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes it becomes a challenge, yes, to explain it to our clients, Um but in most cases, they do listen to us because I think we do a really good job yeah. prototyping and convincing them, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. Um, I think you bring up a great point, too, in like form and function. Mm-hmm. Those two opposing or those two elements that have to marry each other, um, very often design is seen very much for the form and the function is forgotten. I, I speak on in generalities about how it's often perceived where you know we are, we are approached to create something beautiful but at the end of the day things have to work around these pre-existing assumptions around how people know how to use the web around how they know what is a, a clickable element around mm-hmm. when to scroll and not and all of those functionality bits are are, are very important and I think it it takes, not only experience over time, but also keeping up with how, how, you know, innovation is happening across the web in order to find that balance. Do you find that with clients, it's sometimes challenging to explain like that that function not, not takes priority, but that it, it is equally as important as form?
1: So that's a great question. And we deal with this questions at a personal level, like every day. And you brought up a very good point. Before I get into this, like yeah. you, you brought up a, such a good point at the start, which is we interact with design every day, all around us. Yeah. And if we go by, like, um, you know, one of the greats, like, of our industry, um, I I, I believe it's Don Norman who said this again. again. I I I keep on quoting Don Norman. <laughs> like, I Big love Don his. Norman fan. <laughs> yeah, I love his book, Design of Everyday Things. If mm-hmm. anybody hasn't read it, please do. Um, very very enlightening. Um, so he he says that you know, a good design almost and every time goes unnoticed because it does its job Mm -hmm. at the back of the scene and then you're done with it. Mm -hmm. Imagine walking up to a a door that has a very good push and pull (laughs) signifier on it and then you push it and you just walk out. Now imagine walking up to a door that doesn't have anything. Like that is going to scream its inadequacies at you at such a loud pitch that it is going to stand out to you. Now, coming back to your point about form and function, yes. How do we how do we avoid like these pitfalls where we're not giving enough visual identifiers with our designs to user the cues that humans pick up on? And you're right, as human beings, we we do go by a lot of assumptions, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, more than enough. Those assumptions are wrong. Um, if I am putting a paragraph together and there is no understanding given from me to a user, you know, in a, in a, in a designed out module for a website, that there is some action that they can perform at the end of it, yeah. then it's my fault. Then I have failed. There is a function that exists for it, but the form does not communicate it properly. And I say form and function are completely intertwined with each other.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: one cannot have value without the other Mm -hmm. Um, for example there is a very famous or now or very infamous um, juicer machine like I totally forgot who the um, who the designer is? I might. It might be Philippe. I think. I, I think it's Philippe. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot his name. So it's a very. It's a famous thing where it's a very nicely design, designed out juicer. It yeah. looks like a fantastic piece of art. Yeah. But try using it to extract juice out of it.
0: Are it, you talking about that thing that's like it almost yes, looks like a tripod, tripod? Yes. And it's got like a spike at the top. Yes. So it's Like three spiky legs. You got it. And so like. If, if users can picture this, it's like a tripod of three legs and it's got almost like an egg-like spike. With, yep. It's very pointy in the center. So you put a cup under the tripod and then when you juice something, it like kind of trickles down the, the egg-like thing. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's very fascinating because you, when you yep. say it's like an art object. It, it is. It's like... What is that?
1: Exactly. And the, until
0: you use it that way.
1: Absolutely. And and once once you realize like it, it and obviously, you know, the, the kind of audience that is catered yeah. for it. It's, it's not a mother who's preparing lunch every day and then <laughs> is going to be using that. But you never know. Like, um, you, you know, something that kind of a piece, like it doesn't come with a warning that, hey, not to be used by this and this person. Like a good design is inclusive. A, a good design right. offers itself. It opens itself to people yeah. to come and interact with it. Right. You, it cannot be like, hey, this, uh, you know, Les Paul is only for guitarists yeah. Yeah. who have 20 years of experience playing guitar. Like, no, no. Yeah. It, again, so like I'm coming back to the form and function. Um, if I am on a website, similarly, and it has such a big form, but there is absolutely no CSS or no visual hierarchy. There's right. no gap between the fields. Yeah. Yes, it's a good function. It's gonna to go to the right place. I'm gonna put my information. Somebody's gonna give me a call back. Yeah, that's fine. But as a user, what kind of feeling is it leaving me with? Mm-hmm. It is leaving me a little bit, you know, feeling not too great about the brand that I've just interacted with. Yeah. So to me, form and function totally go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, one I cannot th- exist without the other.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think the average consumer, the average user may not realize that they know bad design when they know it. Like it's when you are on a site and a pop-up comes up and you're just like, where is the X? Like, where do I close it? Right? How do I swipe away from this thing? Or it takes up your whole screen and you're like, well, how do I minimize this? Or when you fill out a form and you finally get to the button and you're like, where's the button? Or like, you're not sure, you're not sure like how to submit. Yeah. It looks like one of the fields. Yeah. Like there's just like little things that sometimes like you might not have realized you always knew that in your like back of your Mm -hmm. actual cognition or your consciousness that, um... You've already committed to memory that like, I know that when text is in this certain kind of blue and it's got an underline that (laughs) that is clickable, Mm -hmm. right? But that's something that's like once you, you know, go to enough Mm. websites, you read enough online, you're kind of like, yes, that is is by a standard that who knows who said it over time, but Mm. we all know that. And psychologically, it's embedded into us that that is how design should be so when it's not like that it should be something that's noticeable p- to people right
1: absolutely and and you bring up a very good point it's it, it is a very dated feel um you know having an underline underneath the link yeah. but let's use it because there is a big population that is acc- accustomed to it mm-hmm. if if i am catering to a client let's say who deals in um retirement plans and insurance retirement insurance and everything i want to build in some consistencies that that age demographic is used to because they have interacted with web way different than a millennial who, who is interacting with you know a, a site like wealth simple for example that caters more to them mm-hmm. um, so absolutely some assumptions I, I I think should be you know uh, used and leveraged and even made Better, mm-hmm. whereas there are some assumptions that if, like you say, a pop-up opens, just click outside somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work every every time. No. So, and and again, um, keep all those cons- considerations in mind. And and one thing I would like to mention here is accessibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Accessibility here at Envision is a big big thing. It it has always been with us a big thing, but now ever more so. Um, you got to realize that there is as an, an assumption that. A white color on orange looks bang on beautiful, but you got to realize that there are people who are probably not who are probably not going to uh, be very comfortable looking at it or even miss some of that information. So we For take sure. a lot of the consider- consideration in mind, uh, making sure that our design is sustainable. It is, yeah. it is accessible as mm-hmm. well. So, so, so there's that aspect to it as well.
0: Yeah, and that's a great, that's a great point because we have your, you sit on our accessibility committee yes. uh, here at Envision and you just talk about all of the, you know, like accessible colors, like the contrast that we have to have for things to comply. And it, it's a huge part of what we do in order to make things accessible by everyone, you know, and it's, it's not just regulation, it's just simply making it so that like content is digestible because yeah. well, why create something that any percentage of the population can't really can't access? Read, yes. Um, are there ever challenges that you have with regards to the ideas and concepts that you have that are really great, but limitations with the medium that we're using, especially on web or print, either either direction there?
1: Absolutely. All the time. <laughs> um, you know, there is so much inspiration that's out there now and especially with AI tools that generates artboards and af- after artboard, artboards of ideas and everything. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, you know, young students who are coming out of college and everything are, are, are leveraging these tools. And let's just say it's m- way more easier to create portfolio pieces today than it used to be when I graduated.
0: Yeah.
1: But you got to realize, um, design is there to solve very specific problems for clients who hire, who hire us to create websites for them. Every crazy idea that looks good uh, cannot be implemented because you have to realize that you might overload the browser capability to run that design when it's coded out.
0: My SEO team has something to say (laughs) about slow sites, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. We have those conversations um, all the time and then we try to course correct ourselves all the time. We have a very passionate team of designers here uh, who want to push the envelope a lot and they come up with... Many, many great ideas.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but right at the execution level, yes, there is a challenge. Sometimes we have to roll back a little bit because we got to keep the um, site efficiency in mind, like mm-hmm. how it performs, because that is one promise we make to our clients as well. And we want to stick by it. Mm-hmm. If it's a design that is too layered, it takes way too much time to load. If there is a parallax effect that has four different levels of uh, depth to it yeah it might be a challenge mm-hmm. um who knows somebody might be running our website you know somewhere where you know the internet speed it's still a luxury and then you know they won't be able to interact with us mm-hmm. with, with our work um and like i said a good design is the one that's inclusive as well so we want to make sure we achieve that perfect balance between oh, yeah.
0: to load for like two to five seconds is an it's, eternity these days, yes. right? So it's just like the amount of patience someone has to even wait for a site to load is kind of a limitation in itself.
1: Absolutely. You got maybe... Celene, so, you probably know it better than anyone. Um, you got like... You, you you have the clients on your site and, and four to five seconds is the most that they're going to give you. Mm-hmm. And if nothing is You're happening... Not like, it's
0: broken. Yes. Goodbye. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well... I think you've told us so much about design, not just on web, print, but as well as the real world and how design really is approached in all things. Um, what, in your eyes, as a conclusion, takes good design to great?
1: Oh wow, <laughs> we uh, we ask ourselves this question every day, and I think um, if I really like think about it in very plain terms, like we've established, what a good design is um, serves its purpose. Mm-hmm. It it achieves what it's set out to do. It's, um, you know, it has um, that visual layer to it.
0: Requires it. no instruction.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> a great design is where is the one that goes way beyond even these two things. A great design is the one that touches the user at a very, very emotional level. Like we're talking about not even customer loyalty, but we're talking about advocacy. Mm-hmm. Where somebody who sees something, they just cannot stop thinking about it. And they have to share it. And they have to be like, oh, my God, I came across some something like this today. Like I remember I saw um, Lear Burnett's website, um, their corporate website when they did it back in 2004. Flash was still a thing. And then they had this like pencil effect that used to scroll as you would navigate the site. And then it would create sections. And it was so magical that... I had no money and I wanted to work for them and without <laughs> without a salary and I wanted to pay them to make something like that for me. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is it it transcended from being just a site that serves you information about what a company does. It went way beyond. It took that extra care. Yeah. It's like Tesla. They have a you know, a beautiful product. It's a very good car, but they realized that charging a car takes a long time. So what do they do? They install video games Mm -hmm. in there for you so you could play while the car charges (laughs) if they hadn't done it nobody would have cared yeah but they did it um so so design that transcends way ahead of these um two things and um a design that becomes a new standard that others follow a design that can stand test of time Mm
0: -hmm. is a
1: design that is just not good it's great
0: that's amazing Thank you Kashan. Thanks so much for your insights on everything design and all of your background that you shared with us. Love talking to you today. I think you did pretty good for your first episode. Really? I hope yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> Come back soon, okay?
1: We'll do. Thank you so much, Sil. So.
0: Thank you. Okay. Same conclusion as last time. Bye. <laughs>
1: Yay! <laughs>